Today, May 3rd, marks World Press Freedom Day, a day declared by the United Nations in 1993 to raise awareness about the importance of press freedom. This year's theme is Media for Democracy, Journalism and Elections in Times of Disinformation. So what are the challenges still being faced by journalists across the world? This is TikTok. I'm Jennifer Zabasaja. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Vincent, UK Bureau Director for Reporters Without Borders. Hi, Rebecca. How's it going? Oh, hi. Thanks for having me on today. It's a big day for us, Press Freedom Day. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I want to start out with sort of the state of press freedom in 2019. I'm curious to get your take on uh, where we're at right now and sort of what progress you're seeing. Well, unfortunately, I'd say um, press freedom is now under greater attack uh, around the world than ever before. So it's really never been a more dangerous time to be a journalist. Um, So there are some positives that we can highlight in specific countries, maybe that we found um, some improvements over the last year in our World Press Freedom Index. But I have to say the overall situation is fairly bleak. So let's talk about the World Press Freedom Index. Can you tell us how the index came to be and and what exactly it looks at? We've been doing it for 18 years now. Um, It is a ranking of 180 countries in terms of their performance on press freedom, Um, but not just a ranking relative to each other. You can actually delve in and see a country-specific scoring and see how a country uh, has progressed or deteriorated over time because the ranking is, of course, relative. So at a glance, you can see, uh, relatively speaking, how countries are performing as compared to each other. Um, but sometimes you can actually see see strange-looking movements just depending on what's happening around a specific country on the index. Um, I'll highlight the UK, for example, since, since I'm working here. The UK improved this year in, in our ranking. We rose seven places. We're now at 33rd out of 180 countries. Um, and there have been some some minor improvements, but part of the reason for that for that increase is actually that other countries around us on the index uh, deteriorated. So there's always those sorts of things. So it's good to both look at uh, the relative rankings as well as a country's in-depth scoring. And how, how exactly is it compiled? Like, what are you looking at within each country? So we actually send a, a, a really in-depth uh, questionnaire to a panel of experts in every country. And that had, I believe, 117 questions this year. So it's quite detailed um, across a range of indicators. Um, so actually, the reasons for scoring can be quite different country to country. In some of the worst offenders, we see uh, really obvious examples of journalists imprisoned or, or murdered for their work. Um, but in other countries, it might be a repressive legal environment. It might be economic hardship. Um, there's many reasons, actually, that, that a country can, can perform well or poorly on our index. And then, you know, let's get to the list itself. Uh, Norway ranked safest country on the list for, uh, I believe it's the third year in a row, correct? It is the third year running, um, and Norway's always been towards the top. In fact, um, I'd say it's often within spitting distance uh, when you come to the, the top 10 countries. Uh, the Scandinavian countries do tend to perform very well on the index. Um, but we ha- I have to say that the situation in those countries isn't perfect either. And in fact, if you click through on our website, you can see specific examples even of issues there. So... Um, yeah, they, they were at the very top this year. And then we can also look at the very bottom. There's sometimes slight movements there. Uh, this year, uh, Turkmenistan fell to 180th. And so that means North Korea is now at 179th. North Korea had been at the bottom for some time. Um, but, you know, the countries uh, in the bottom 10 are actually the situations are very close within that group of countries as well. So so what, what were some of the highlights for you? You know, I, I wonder if there was any... Uh, specific country that surprised you this year in, in, in their movement, whether it's, it's upgrade or downgrade? Oh, so maybe we'll start with the positive, just because we so often talk about the negative examples. Yeah. It's good to have uh, nice things to point to. So Ethiopia uh, showed tremendous uh, progress 
over the year and rose a staggering 40 places in our index. So that was the world's biggest increase this year. Um, that was due to a change of government and actually this political will to address uh, the press freedom issues there. So they released all of their jailed journalists. Uh, they reviewed problematic legislation and they've really made a number of significant changes. And um, I think that's being recognized today as the world is gathered actually in Addis Ababa today for the UNESCO uh, event to mark World, world Press Freedom Day. But that progress is remarkable. Um, also in Africa, Gambia uh, rose 30 places over the year. Again, it was this sort of, as we often see, it's, it's this change uh, in the political approach to these issues. It's often uh, a change in government or some sort of other reason that a government then has political will to address these things. Uh, but Africa was interesting because within Africa, there were also very negative movements as well. And sometimes change in government can actually result in that. Tanzania, for example, uh, a change in government there actually led to really serious issues, a, a crackdown now. And Tanzania fell 25 places on the index this year. Um, and, and the African example is interesting this year because we tend to see more regional trends. But in Africa, we had really incredible increases of individual countries and some really sharp declines. But other, other regional trends, the Americas as a region dipped the sharpest this year. But Europe was not far behind. And last year, Europe was the region that dipped the sharpest. This is worrying because Europe is the region that actually still and traditionally has always respected press freedom the most. And when standards are slipping, even in that region, that has really worrying implications for other places as well. So other improvements, I point to uh, Uzbekistan, which only rose a few places in the index. But Uzbekistan is also interesting because uh, there has been somewhat of a political opening and they've released their jailed journalists and it seems that the climate might be starting to, to thaw there and they're engaging more with the international community. Um, and I'm hoping now that will lead to more improvements there. Um, in Armenia, they had a significant increase too following, uh, following the revolution of last year. And so, you know, political changes often can be positive uh, for our issues. But unfortunately, uh, we did see some really sharp decreases in other countries this year. We saw, you know, a continuation of a trend that started a few years ago, which is uh, a number of democracies that are declining. So the United States is probably the most obvious of those. Um, the United States fell three places. It's now down to 48. But when you look at the map uh, that accompanies our index, we have a kind of color coding that you can glance and see best performers, worst performers. And for the first time ever, the United States dipped into the problematic uh, category of that map, which is the orange shading. Um, and also this year, or actually at the end of the calendar year 2018, the United States had made the list of top five deadliest countries, which is really alarming that that can happen in the country of the First Amendment. That was, of course, following the uh, massacre in the Capitol Gazette newsroom last year. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, you, you mentioned the United States in the problematic category now. Um, how much of it is because of the rhetoric around the media right now that we're sort of hearing from President Trump? And, you know, I mean, even on social media, you know, these accusations of fake news, I wonder if that has had any role in the U.S. being downgraded this year. I mean, it's an incredibly problematic trend. And uh, we do think that this online rhetoric bears uh, some responsibility. Actually, the politicians who are engaged in this rhetoric do do bear some responsibility for the climate uh, that then ensues. I think I think we're seeing really more of a blurring between online violence in a way and real life acts of violence. And so, um, and that's not just Donald Trump. We're seeing these these figures all around the world. That's a trend we pointed to in last year's index. Actually, the the rise of the strongman model. Um, and not just in authoritarian countries, we're getting sort of more strong men in, in places thought of as democracies. So perhaps Trump has popularized this sort of media bashing rhetoric, and he does bear some responsibility uh, for the trends that have ensued. But we're seeing figures like 
I don't know, Mila Zaman in the Czech Republic. He actually calls himself the Czech Donald Trump. Duterte in the Philippines, Bolsonaro in Brazil. Increasingly, these these leaders that are really eroding the climate for press freedom, turning you know the public against the media and really undermining what we're trying to do around the world. And you also mentioned in Europe, were there specific incidents that you highlighted in this index that led to Europe being in a more dangerous situation for journalists today? I think it was actually that that climate of, you know, online rhetoric, sort of Hmm. calls of politicians for things. I think that did contribute to it. But also, I want to note that impunity breeds impunity. And so when we see cases of violence against journalists go unpunished anywhere, that has a knock-on impact internationally. So when those who wish to use violence to silence critical voices see that others are not being held to account for it, they know that they can also commit these acts of violence with impunity. So in Europe, a case that I work on a lot here from the UK is the case of Daphne Caruana Galizia. She was an investigative journalist in Malta who was killed by a car bomb in October 2017. And that was shocking at the time that that could happen in broad daylight in an EU state to the country's most prominent journalist. So now over 18 months later, shockingly, we're still seeing a lack of justice for her murder. Um, and, And what happened to Daphne sort of opened the door for further attacks in Europe. So four months later in Slovakia, another investigative journalist, Jan Kusiak, uh, was killed. There's been more progress in that investigation, though, I should note, than in uh, the investigation in, in Malta. And then in October that year, there was another journalist murdered in Bulgaria, Victoria Marinova. I want to note there that Reporters Without Borders has not yet confirmed for ourselves that we believe her murder to be clearly linked to her journalism. We're still investigating, but the fact that it could happen is still really worrying. Um, and those are the cases of murders. There's, there's been an increase as well as in death threats. Um, against journalists uh, across Europe, particularly investigative journalists working to expose corruption. Italy is a good example. Last year, we saw actually an act of heroism by the Italian police. They foiled an assassination plot against Paolo Bormetti, who is an expert in the Sicilian mafia. But we know at the moment of at least 20 journalists in Italy who are under around-the-clock police protection just because of the threats against them. And this is, of course, replicated elsewhere in the continent. So it's really worrying. And we've now seen that, you know, murders can be committed with impunity in the EU. This really has to be addressed. So here in the UK, when I talk about these things, it can sometimes sound like scaremongering because luckily we haven't had that sort of deliberate violence here yet. But I do want to know, we've now seen a tragic murder of a journalist here. Uh, Lyra McKee was killed just two weeks ago uh, in the course of doing her job in Northern Ireland. So that's the first time that we've now had to include a case of a journalist killed in the UK in our barometer of press freedom violations. And it's really heartbreaking, really underscores uh, the broader press freedom issues that we're we're calling for it to be addressed here in the UK. And so then just looking ahead to 2020, do you expect like if we were to have this conversation again next year, do you think there would be improvements made based on what you're seeing already in 2019? Or do you think we're going to be in potentially an even more dangerous situation next year? Well, I think we have to remain optimistic in order to do our jobs effectively as campaigners. So I always hope that there will be improvements, that we will see some reforms. But if we're looking at the trajectory of the past few years, I have to say we can probably expect uh, just as deadly of a year, if not a deadlier year this year, um, just as many violations of press freedom until we actually see something change in a concrete way, some really concrete political consequences for this behavior. Um, I think, unfortunately, we're destined to continue to deteriorate. 
Um, something with our index that isn't obvious at a glance is that actually the whole world is getting worse. So you can see quickly kind of how states perform relative to each other. But the global score dipped really significantly in 2016, and it hasn't recovered since. Um, and so until we start to really address the the reasons underpinning these violations that are taking place every day, everywhere, even in democracies, um, unfortunately, I think that's, that's going to continue to slip. Well, hopefully people will, will notice, especially today. Um, but I'm, I'm also hoping people can go on your website and take a look at the map because it's really fascinating what you found. Yes, and we hope, yeah. and we hope it does draw attention to uh, not only the global situation, but it gives people a tool to sort of uh, look in, in depth into the situation in their own countries and to take steps to hold their own governments to account. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Really fascinating stuff. Thank you. Thank you. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks as always for listening. And if you like listening to us, please head over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Jennifer Zabasaja. You can follow me on Twitter at Jennifer Lauren Z and get all your updates at TikTok.